Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's not Jay Onright's voice. No, it is not. Natasha Stanishevsky makes her first ever Jay and Dan podcast appearance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was guaranteed that we had had you on before. If we, if you did, I can't remember it either, mm. which is very possible because I have wow. a terrible memory. Ouch! Yowzies. <laughs> The Jan Dan podcast for the week of May 7th, 2018. Mm-hmm. See Natasha poking her head in. We'll ask Natasha what she thinks of this. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Natasha Staniszewski. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Wow, this is really fun to have you on the I show. I know, this is good. I'm excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Natasha Staniszewski makes her first ever Jay and Dan podcast appearance. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Jay and Dan podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. He's back. Looks like you guys got Natasha good. <laughs> I remembered seeing. Are you okay? I, I remembered seeing her in this studio. Then I'm like, okay, if she says she wasn't here, I guess I have to believe her. So that was her second appearance, her first guest host appearance. I remember it clear as day. I remember her sitting in between <laughs> us. It was. It's very clear. It was obviously a, a very impactful for you and I, but for her, very much a blip in her memory. Not even a blip. She was just like, forget it. I think she even said, I don't think she'd been in the studio. I feel like Natasha <laughs> might have some medical issues that she needs to deal with in terms of long-term memory. Like, maybe we should start calling her the day after she does a show and say, what did you do last night? How about just today? What did you do today? <laughs> um, I didn't even wake up. You're awake now. We're speaking with you on the phone. Oh, yeah. I guess I am awake. <laughs> no, I think um, I love working with Natasha, and I can tell you do too. And um, obviously, the the listeners and viewers love her. So yeah, we love having her fill in when we go away on on well deserved vacation. Yeah, she's got a lot going on. She's got the whip it up and all those McCain ads. So yeah, you were away for the week. <laughs> you were away for the week. You went to the Bahamas, I believe. Yeah, couldn't go anywhere. Got to be honest <laughs> with you. I really, I can't recommend this enough to you. I know you have a lot of vacation time. Uh, you you got to burn by the end. I'm sure a lot of people are like this where they couldn't go anywhere. They might have vacation time. They got to burn. By the way, I realize this is all very much a first world problem. We're happy to have <laughs> jobs and all these things. And uh, it's nice to have a job that you could take a vacation from. But I, the older I get or whatever, the more I enjoy staycations, the more I enjoy just doing nothing at home. And I think a big part of it is I've been working nights pretty much consistently since 1996. Mm-hmm. And to be home at night and just to crack open a couple of beers mm-hmm. and just hang out with my wife and uh, maybe we watch Borat 2, which my we did wife. last week. That's something we can't do together unless it's Friday or Saturday. Uh, we loved it. And yeah, it's just nice. So it, it was really enjoyable. Hung out with the kids. Uh, yeah, we had a great time. I enjoyed it. Yeah, because when you think about a vacation, if you fly somewhere and you got kids, I just think of the trip to the airport, then the airplane, then getting to the hotel. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And then my kids revealed to me the other day, they're like, 
when do you like going to the airport? I'm like, I don't know, after I sleep in and go in the middle of the afternoon. They're like, oh, we love when it's still dark out and you're going to the airport. I'm like, I hate that. I like that only because I feel like the traffic situation is better. Mm -hmm. But I know what you mean. I, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, (laughs) the vacation situation, it's like my parents are hilarious. I have like three weeks off at Christmas this year. And I said to them, we got all this time. Why don't you guys fly out? They're like, why don't you fly out here? Or like, (laughs) you're two retired baby boomers. Yeah. We're a family of four with a newborn. Who's going to have a harder time traveling? Like, what do you guys think? And they're like, ah, Ontario, COVID hotbed. I'm like, have you seen your BC numbers? So you're no longer speaking to your parents. They're going to Palm Springs for seven months. (laughs) They are. They told us tonight. They're like, you know, we're just going to go to Palm Springs. We'll spend Christmas alone. I'm like, all right. Fine. Enjoy it. Hopefully it works out for you down there. So you did the staycation. Yeah, it was great. It was really great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Borat 2. Out of 10, what do you give that? I Okay. You and I talked about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I love the first one. The first one, and and maybe you'll agree, easily in my top two movie-going experiences of my entire life. The first one. Uh, In the theater. Packed theater. The fight scene with him and the naked fight scene. The... I've never seen a theater, an entire theater, die of laughter like that. It was so awesome. So big expectations for the second one. Thought it started slow, but a couple of things. I thought once the um, the dance scene at the debutante's ball happened, I thought it really picked up steam <laughs> from there. That scene alone was worth the whole movie. It was fantastic. And I thought it really picked up from there. I thought the... Uh, 24-year-old actress who played his daughter was incredible. And I know he's pushing her for an Oscar. I, I have no problem with that. I thought she was unbelievably good. And They interviewed 700 people, I think. Five, wow, or five right? to 700, yeah. Wow, she was just fantastic. Like, she really was great. And then the big thing, though, <laughs> that Giuliani scene, that Rudy Giuliani scene. So creepy. Was the creepiest thing I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was real. Like, just a creepy old mayor with false teeth and married his cousin and this Eastern European journalist is hitting on him. And he, it was just disgusting. Yeah. It was disgusting to watch. But it was also uncomfortable. I couldn't turn away. Yeah. Like I couldn't I couldn't turn away from it. Um, but yeah, overall I I'd give it a seven and a half. A good solid seven. Out of yeah, I'd give it a seven out of ten, just for the simple fact that after I saw the first Borat, I'm like, "Well, that's done. He can never do that again." Because it's everyone- amazing what he did. Like the guy with the fax machine. Like who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> He's a guy getting probably seven dollars a fax. Yeah, I get it. Oh yeah, he doesn't give a. Sh- I just yeah, it, it is pretty amazing. Like who, who, how he's able to do it, and who he's able to find the pastor at the. Uh, the right to life clinic. Yeah. Right. Like just unreal the stuff going on. Uh, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was pretty good. And then the other thing I watched that you and I are both big Tim and Eric fans and Tim Heidecker did his first ever stand up special. 10. I give that a 10 out of 10. I would give that a 10 out of 10 as well. Just for the, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, you, you know, it's, it's very different than what you're expecting, and, but also very Tim Heidecker. The first, Ten minutes of it, yeah, both of us were in tears. I was, I was in tears 
for the whole yeah first 10 minutes just what he was doing and once you realize where he's going with it um <laughs> yeah it's just it's amazing and we were talking about it like how many times did he rehearse it yeah we won't even tell you what it is because it just you, you just have to watch it yeah. uh it's free on youtube yeah it's you a freebie check it out yep you can just go check it out tim heidecker stand up you'll you'll find it and uh yeah, he just, he kills me, man. He's so funny. He's, he's just the best. And then I really got into natural wine. <laughs> oh, sorry. What's that? So, so uh, you know, I, you know me. I live in a hipster neighborhood and uh, I do all these hipster things. And so everyone's drinking natural wine. I thought I'd try it. It's so delicious and it's, it makes you feel so good the next day. You can drink two bottles. Okay, so I thought you, this over. was a show. Okay, this is wine. What, what is natural wine? So from what I understand, and excuse me if I'm not explaining this totally correctly, but it's essentially fermented grape juice. So it's not adding all the different things that, that you know, can alter the taste of wine. It's not necessarily organic, but it's just pure grape juice, fermented, maybe some sulfates added at the very end in the bottling process, but basically it's just the pure product. And sometimes, like for a red, it doesn't look as as purple. It looks almost like red. It almost looks red, red. Okay. And uh, it tastes a little lighter, and it's, uh, it's... Easy drinking, like almost too easy. Okay, where do you find this? It has changed my life. You can find it uh, kind of anywhere. You can find it. LCBO has natural wines. Okay, so Uh, I'm going in there tomorrow. I I got a buddy there. We have a a chat about the show every time I'm in. Uh, Once every six months. That's the only thing. To the LCBO. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's all these, as you know, Dan, like uh, now Ontario restaurants and bars can sell their wine. And so they're getting in all these amazing wines and a lot of natural wines. And I just find for me, it tastes so good but it's really the next day like you can crush you crush two bottles of wine yourself the next day it's like glee uh you crush two bottles of natural wine you just get up and head to the airport you're feeling good okay i'm getting natural wine tomorrow um because i was uh, sorry for the wine talk here but i was looking at the labels the, like third last time i was in the lady's like yeah this is the sugar level down here i'm like i didn't know that was there so i was starting to buy wine based on the sugar level and the last two bottles i bought were just pure garbage. Just putrid. Yes, like... Just disgusting. A stinky pair of underwear that a marathoner did not wash and let to dry. Right, that's what it says in the wine guide. <laughs> in wine spectator. <laughs> stinky pair of underwear uh, out on the clothesline. So I'm... Uh, that, that, uh, that theory or that way of buying wines out the window for me. So it's all natural wine for me. And then Eric Wareheim, Tim Heidecker's partner, the wines he makes are natural wines. What if I just put um, vodka in grape juice? Would that be natural wine? Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> That's on, a Greyhound. That, no, a Greyhound's vodka Greyhound's, and grapefruit. Uh, grapefruit. <laughs> grapefruit. Pink grapefruit, yeah. What's vodka and I like grape that. juice called? Vodka and grape juice. God, I don't... It's a tasty beverage. Like vodka and Welch's? Yeah. Huh. No, I've never had that. Um, I like a Greyhound. I like a Negroni now. I find a Negroni's where it's at. Because that's just all booze. That's three parts booze, zero parts anything else. (laughs) The Negroni. That's the cocktail you want. It's called a Grape Ape? Okay. Man. That was a cartoon I remember in the 80s. Terrible cartoon. I think it was a Hanna-Barbera. One of their worst ones. That they got the interns to do. Maybe. Hey, did you uh, see my Insta story today? No. Nope. I got a, a zinger, <clears throat> zinger of a line handed to me oh. while at the Rona in Newcastle. Mm. 
the Newcastle, Ontario, Rona. Shout I, uh, out to them. Was picking up some uh, some uh, supplies. I'm going to try drill some wall uh, some uh, some things into brick walls. Okay. Because I'm turning my uh, Silence of the Lambs basement into a listening chamber. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Like think Silence of the Lambs basement, and that is my basement. Right. So I'm picking up those products, and uh, I'm like, oh, I need a new straw broom because my other one. Uh, I left leaning against the shed, and now it's all bent and not good. So I bring my straw broom to the, the checkout, and the lady goes, now how are you getting home? <laughs> <laughs> no, no laugh, no chuckle, nothing. And I look at her, I start laughing, and she just didn't. <laughs> so I think she has to use that line every time someone buys a straw broom, which is what, once a month? Yeah, for sure. She keeps that in the chamber ready to go. <laughs> Cocked and loaded. I was, I was laughing the rest of the day. And we should mention that the Jane Dan podcast is brought to you by our friends at McDonald's once again. Uh, just doing great. You had a Big Mac the other day, I heard? I had it yesterday. Oh, it was unreal. That'll get you. Best big, every Big Mac I have, I say that's the best Big Mac I've ever had. And Ruby O'Toole got it without onions and pickles. She devoured it. Oh, okay. She's now on the Big Mac train. Boy, you can't miss those pickles and onions, though. I know. Right? She's, she's got to grow yeah, into it. she's got to ease her way into that. Uh, this is the last week to play Coast to Coast Monopoly at McDonald's. Guests can play by peeling game stamps from a variety of participating menu items with one in five chances to win. Don't miss out on millions of prizes that could have you winning big and feeling good, such as the new 1000 for you and $1,000 for the Ronald McDonald House. Or your choice prize. Head to a McDonald's near you from now to November 9th. I won a muffin yesterday. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I'd like to to get and sample here on the show that I haven't tried yet is the donuts, the mini donuts. Yes. I haven't uh, tried those yet. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that, really. Well, just... we'll make that happen. Okay, yeah. And again, it's not just because they sponsor the podcast. Best toasted bagels with cream cheese are at McDonald's. Like, they are phenomenal. Listen, we're on. Everything. Get the everything bagel with cream cheese. And don't forget about their natural wine. <laughs> There has to be licensed McDonald's around the world. Probably. For sure there are. Yeah, in Europe. All over Europe, I think. Europeans are like, what's wrong with you guys? Like, they must look at this whole, we're just selling booze out of our wine bars thing. And just be like, what? We just got it in grocery stores in Ontario a few years ago. It's like... Well, the rest of the... Like, Alberta must look at us like, what is... Bunch of Puritans? We're like kids. No, you, you're children. You are not allowed to have you only that. can buy from one store. <laughs> we'll tell you what that is, and here's the price of everything. Isn't this capitalism? <laughs> no. Not for booze. Really excited for the LCBO journey tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope they're stocked full of... I hope they have a natural wine section for you. Is oh. it uh, the Newcastle LCBO? Yeah. Beautiful. It's That's probably new. fantastic, I bet. Yeah. Everything there, it seems. They got the Rona. They got the LCBO. Are you, I'm usually a home hardware guy. I like supporting the home hardware. I support uh, the home hardware on Ossington where, near where I live. Just a little... One, you know, some of those old har- home hardwares, they have a loyal clientele, mm-hmm. as they should, because it's homeowners helping homeowners. Uh, I have to tell you a quick Ron story. Ron, who uh, my cat, who became famous during the... Uh, Sports Center with Jay and Dan at home edition during the pandemic. Yes, he also um, wanted to be on camera. I uh, went out to just say hi to some trick-or-treaters because they were in our area because uh, it was allowed. So Ron went sprinting out on Halloween night during the blue moon. And I'm like, okay, he comes back because he's not that smart. 
Instead of just staying out now, he'll come back in 20 minutes. So in an hour, I'm like, that's weird. I'm going out to the hot tub. I'm like, it's hot tub time on a blue moon. And I hear meowing. And I, I'm looking around. I'm like, where the hell is this guy? I look up. He's on my roof. Mm-hmm. Cat on a hot tin roof. Meow. So I was, I was ready to get in the hot tub. So I climbed the, a ladder to get him down. Do not climb a ladder when dressed in a bathing suit only. Mm. And pick up a cat. You fell over. Hurt no. yourself. Die. No, because when they're suspended and in midair, they just start clawing. Oh, they start yeah. trying to grab onto something. To- yeah, yeah. They don't like that feeling of being suspended in midair. <laughs> Unlike other creatures, they love that feeling. <laughs> so needless to say, I, uh, I had to jump into the hot tub to heal my wounds. I'm thinking of your house. It's like a one... No, it's not a one story, but I'm thinking where the roof is in the back of the house. That's the lower section. Yes, right. you got up there. So... He could probably have jumped off there, no? He probably could have, but how did he get up there? Oh, cats. <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're crafty. They're crafty animals. Ron's a crafty guy. And Ginny, the other one, is possessed now. It's like she's come from Pet Cemetery. She hisses all day. Is, which one is the one that disappeared for like a week? Ron. Ten days. Ron was gone for a week. I feel like there's some issues with those cats. Oh, yeah, they... They've tasted freedom. They have tasted freedom. It's like that Bill Maher joke about cats sitting at the window looking outside. And that's what he said marriage was like. (laughs) He's never been married. How would he know? Yeah, true. Um, Yeah, Bill Maher's a funny guy. There were no trick-or-treaters at all where we were. None. And uh, I thought... I thought at least, you know, everyone was buying the, the PVC pipe and the, the delivery systems. Yep. I thought we'd at least have a little bit of that. We, we got some candy just in case, but yeah, nothing. We did, had all the, the play dates during the day with the classmates, but no trick-or-treaters. It was weird because our street is super lively usually. I just put it Strange. in a, the candy in a pot on the front step, and my pot was not stolen this year because last year it was stolen and put in a tree. So... Even pre-COVID, you <laughs> decided that you didn't want to interact with No, no, because when I went to trick-or-treating with the girls, when I walked with oh, them, I we'd see. leave the pot out. Right, so you had to leave something there for them. Interested to hear about Halloween from our, from our guest for the podcast, Jason Gay, and he's in New York City. Was there trick-or-treating going on on Halloween night, Jason Gay? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We were on pins and needles around here. We were worried, of course, of you know triggering some sort of super spreader event in our neighborhood by having the kiddos out there. But there were some scattered trick or treaters for sure. Where I live, I live in Brooklyn, very close to you know America's funny man Peter Schrager. And yes. Um, yes. <laughs> do you see him around the neighborhood, Jason? <laughs> and just like well, wandering around talking about Billy yeah. Joel and. Oh, no, no, it's it's better than that. He lives a little further away from me. He lives several blocks away from me now, but he used to live like a block and a half away from me. And we shared a coffee shop, and he would be out there talking about seventh-round punters <laughs> in the freezing cold holding a hot coffee and having these, like, you know, as if he was, like, in the National Security Agency, like these very clandestine conversations. <laughs> With people about seventh round draft picks. So we live in this pretty idyllic part of Brooklyn where it is a Halloween 
Lollapalooza every year. I mean, to the point that it actually gets crazy walking on the street. It was nowhere near that this year, although there was some pretty interesting inventiveness. You saw people were, instead of like, you know, walking out and handing candy individually to kids, they created, I'm not kidding, they, they, they would take a little piece of PVC pipe and slide it down these little brownstone stoops about eight or nine feet. They, I saw some kids' slides. I saw some, uh, like, Hot Wheels tracks, like, you know, throwing little, you know, Reese's Pieces down the Hot Wheels track. So some clever invention to create some social distancing and still give the kids some fun. So I was very proud of the neighborhood. It didn't get out of hand. But, you know, you know what they say. Well, wait, wait, wait 14 days to see the results. Well, I wanted to do it Canadian-style and fire slap shots from the porch. Just the just yeah. rifle the candy Where at the were kids. You on Where were you? I could have used this. <laughs> so uh, one time it right exactly. The, Sorry, the one timer. So the three yeah. of us used to work uh, together. Jason's with the Wall Street yeah. Journal, and he used to work on um, an award winning show. Crowd goes wild with the the yeah. one the only Regis Philbin. So you were in New York yeah. when we worked for Fox, and we were in LA. Yeah. So we worked together, but not really. Yeah, I was in uh, Fox Sports East, and you're in Fox Sports West, or FS1 West. We should, you know, the Fox Sports, you know, and Fox Sports 1 were separate entities. But, yeah, I was on that uh, very uh, long, I think we ran as long as Gunsmoke. Yeah. <laughs> but you, were all, you worked with Regis on his last show. Like, that was the last show I he did. ever worked on. I did. I did. And I was on that show because of Regis. That is the absolute truth. I had the privilege of interviewing him a couple of times. I'd actually gone down to play tennis with him. It uh, this is God's honest truth at the Mar-a-Lago Club. Back wow. when Donald Trump was just Donald Trump, and Regis was just Regis, and he called Donald the Trumpster, and that was his thing. Oh man! Uh, I went down and played tennis with Regis and wrote a story about like what Regis was going to do next. And then six to eight months later, he's like, "Well, I'm doing this thing, and would you be interested in?" Talking to some folks, and I thought they were just, you know, you know Michael Davies, who's the person who was behind that show. Michael's the guy who created Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and really made Regis very rich. Um, he, you know, crafted that show, and I thought I was just going to be somebody who'd just come on and, like, you know, say two words about tennis. Uh, but it, lo and behold, it turned into this thing, and I, it was a pretty neat adventure. I don't know how you guys feel about it. We actually story. enjoyed your yeah, show. We enjoyed that. I show. remember Jason thinking that your show deserved a better fate because uh, was it Georgie? Who who's the host? What was her name? Yeah, Georgie Thompson. Georgie right. Thompson. She was sweet. She was such a. She was so polished. It was almost yeah. like you were all too good for that network. <laughs> we were too <laughs> bad for exactly the network. The way that I looked at it, I was too, not only was I too good for the network, I was too good for television. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. But were you um, like, what was it about you? What was it about the? interaction you had with Regis, there must have been some connection, some chemistry that made him think this newspaper star needs to be a television star. You know what I think it was? I honestly just think this was the explanation for it. And I think it was sort of conveyed to me this way, too, that I had a little bit of rapport with Regis. In addition to having interviewed him a couple of times, I used to talk to him on the phone with some regularity. We had I'm secretly an 88-year-old man, and I have a similar interest to Regis. And I think I was kind of, you know how when you have like a thoroughbred horse, and there's like a barn horse for the thoroughbred, and they just have the barn horse just kind of hangs out around the thoroughbred just to keep the thoroughbred happy. Kind of like I an entourage. The, I was the barn horse yeah. Okay. Yeah. for Regis, you know, and I think that... 
you know, the other people on that show were all far more uh, accomplished than I was. And so I was just kind of the random guy who would sit next to him and like, you know, laugh of Joe DiMaggio jokes and things. And, and it, I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, we joke about it because it had such a bizarre landing and, and liftoff and ending, but it was a real privilege. I mean, you know, when they write the books about the history of television, he goes right in the first chapter, he had more hours of live TV than anyone in history. And you got the chance to meet him. He loved you guys, too. And, like, that, I mean, when he passed away not that terribly long ago, with him goes this incredible t- connective tissue to all these decades and legends of TV. I mean, this is a guy who worked for Joey Bishop, who knew Dean Martin, who knew Carson, who knew all these. You know, it was the most, he was on Letterman, I believe, more than anybody else. Um, and so, you know, just to be able to sit in his shadow for a few months is a real privilege. The, th- the thing I always say about him, Jason, is that. You know, the way Dan and I judge people is, will they allow us to make fun of them on television? <laughs> if they will, then we know they're good people. If they won't, we know that they're uptight ass. And, <laughs> right? And Regis was 100% a gamer from the second we met him. Uh, fabricated a you know a big feud between the three of us and and played it up. That's and, right. You know, it was so fun. And, and he was all for it. And we worked with much lesser and, you know, severely less accomplished people who weren't as in on a joke in that way. So I, I just I just loved him for that. And, uh, yeah, he was great. And I always remember the way he ended the rivalry was by sending us what he deemed to be the most American of gifts, a Texas Mickey of Jack Daniels and an apple pie from the apple pan on Pico in Santa Monica. Which was delicious. I mean, it's just like, it's one of these things like you, you just, if you set out to re- recreate a career like that, it's just impossible. Just the nature of the way television has changed, obviously, and, you know, um, stardom has changed and, and, and there will be nobody like him ever again. I remember um, Finn Rubino, who was a producer with him for a very long time, said, well, I was always like, you know, why is he just so good at this so still? And why is he so energized? And he's like, Regis has worked an hour a day for 60 years. I've been watching the uh, the Larry Sanders show, and the episode where Regis was on, I just uh, passed over the other day, where he, he offers Hank a job because he's getting his own late-night talk show, and it was a young Regis, and he's, he's everything is the same. The, the young Regis was exactly the same as the old Regis. It really is. And and a funny thing about his career is he was kind of a late bloomer. He didn't really start to take off until his 40s when things started to pick up for him in L.A. when he had that morning show. Then they brought him to New York and he took off with Kathy Lee. And then it really gained a huge momentum. But even, you know, that was a, a sort of a local concern, right? It was something he got more fame out of being made fun of by, like, Dana Carvey uh, on Saturday Night Live. But then it was millionaire that just sort of, like, you know, he was in your home, you know, seven hours a day, it seemed, for a stretch there in the early 2000s. Uh, anything happening tomorrow in your country, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I was going to, I had a big uh, number set up for the top of the show. I was going to say, so this is America's pregame. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mar-a-Lago, what was that? What's that place like? Uh, is it kind of like if our, if our grandparents remember. made a fancy resort? Well, I'm going to mangle the history, but I believe it's like his it's the Marjorie post. Merriweather posts. It's the post family. family. Yeah. The yeah. serial family, right? Yes. And 
it is this sort of like grand mansion that is obviously many, many generations old. And it has, you know, it's right there on sort of the, I mean, you guys, you're, you're, I know you went to Palm Beach, so you know. Big but time. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's right there on the beach wall, and, and on the other side is a canal, and there's a big grand home, and there's sort of a hotel condo situation. And the tennis courts are right smack in the middle, and, you know, they're all this sort of, you know, tasteful Trump gold leaf and things like that. And, um, you know, hell of a club sandwich. This was a long time ago. I mean, who would have known? Yeah. I mean, I remember, I can tell you, the last time I saw Regis in person was just before the 2016 election. And it really didn't look like Trump was going to win. And, you know, this is Regis, still Regis, someone known for decades. And it was kind of exciting for him that this guy was going to win for him. I said, Regis, if Trump wins, do you think he could become ambassador to Ireland? And I could just see the wheel turning in the regions of his head, like, man, that would be really something. <laughs> I'm a little sad that that didn't come to be. That would have been neat to see Regis in some sort of official U.S. ambassador role. But, uh, you know, he led a remarkable life. So you, you must have had some interviews or some, uh, some run-ins with Trump over your years? Just one that I really remember. I think I talked to him on the phone a couple of times, but the, I did a... Um, there used to be a, a thing called the television, and there was a magazine called the Television Guide, aka TV Guide. And I know you guys still subscribe, but um, I I wrote a cover story. I think just as, uh, and I make that sound really impressive, don't I? A cover story for TV Guide. Uh, think about the debut of The Apprentice, or at least sort of The Apprentice, you know, in high bloom, really when it was taking off before the dog at the Bobby Hunter days. Um, and, you know, you go in there, and the closest comparison, you know, this is in Trump Tower, and I can't remember what floor it's on, but you go into his executive office, then it's effectively, you're watching a stage play. You know, he comes out, and it's a lot of bravado, and it's showing you all the magazine covers on the wall, and who was good to him, and who wasn't good to him. And, you know, you effectively were getting this performance. And as somebody who, at the time, all you worried about was just giving you, getting good copy, good quotes, you're thrilled you know this guy said crazy stuff non-stop and like that's what he was all about and it's interesting to see that brought onto the national stage <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny you say that uh, jason because stern talks about that all the time how he was one of his favorite guests and he sure. as you said always said something interesting and he could talk to him about you know the, the women and the all that stuff and it was kind of a bit more harmless at the time uh and yeah it, it's <laughs> it's stern just said i admit, i just lost one of my best guests basically is what happened it is a very strange thing and also i mean i've lived in new york for a little more than 20 years and like he is such a creature of new york city to me like i still like seeing him out of context around the country around the world in the white house is still to me sort of this disorienting thing i think of him as somebody who will forever be standing in the macy's thanksgiving parade or like you know ribbon cutting some random part of you know some mall or hotel somewhere he is such a strange part of specific like midtown new york fabric that these whole four years have been so bizarre for so many different reasons i think melania feels the same way (laughs) i think melania is ready (laughs) she's ready to she's the first one to jump off the boat (laughs) 
I, I predict, though, if he doesn't win, Melania will leave and she'll have a non-disclosure, so won't say anything bad. And she is going to come out, marry like uh, a, a, a Hollywood star or a president of another country or something. And people will forget anything that she said. And they'll be like, oh, poor Melania. Look, at she's, she's happy now. So she'll have this whole like Onassis iteration is what you're saying? Yes, like correct. Okay. Okay. Well, like, she's quite young. You know, she has many years in front of her. And, you know, there's a whole like opportunity. I, I, I hear you. And there's several of her. <laughs> now, I have not followed that closely, but there was some speculation on Twitter, America's favorite news source, 100% accurate, 100% of the time, yeah. that there were doubles. But then I saw something that it was knocked down. That, like, yes, it's yes. been debunked. But it's a fun. It's a down. fun little. It's yeah. a fun little thing to believe. I would most certainly have a double if I was a high-profile person, wouldn't you? Absolutely, especially if you're her, where she clearly, you know, speaking of creature of New York, she wanted no part of leaving New York, right? She didn't, didn't want to leave Trump Tower. So for her, why not find yeah. a clone uh, in sure. Slovenia or somewhere and then uh, send her to the White House? And I'm sure Trump would have been thrilled. <laughs> like, a new one? Great! I got a new one! Listen. I would take a double just to get out of, like, birthdays and Thanksgiving and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Like, nothing would make me happier. I don't know if you happen to see it, but Trump was campaigning somewhere, and he said, you know, if Joe Biden's elected, he's going to eliminate, uh, he's going to get rid of Christmas, he's going to get rid of Thanksgiving, you're not going to be able to go to birthdays. And I was like, that is a campaign I can get behind if I don't have to go to those things. Uh, Jason, I want to get your take on this, being a New Yorker. I watch Colbert and I watch Seth Meyers every single night when we get home from work. I think, I don't know if you watch them both, but I watch them back to back every single night. Seth Meyers is the least talked about late night host that is killing. He, he is crushing it every single night. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that, I mean, first of all, they're both wildly intelligent guys and they've been doing it for a very long time to think of their careers, how long they've been doing live television. So it's not as if they like walked into that job and they had those like, you know, as Conan would say now, those like herky jerky, like half decade of like not really figuring it out. They well, it, it took Seth a couple years to get the well, format down. The to desk and things like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I agree. And I also think that like, that kind of like intelligence and ability to work on your feet has probably been a benefit uh, an advantage in this circumstance, right? Because, I mean, I know Seth was, like, doing his show from his house. As was, oh, uh, they were ben unreal. Hunter. I was in tears. I've never been in tears watching a late-night comedian, and he, yeah, I, I just thought the, his show and still is phenomenal right now. You know what it makes me he, think about, Jason, is the fact that Seth, when he started, uh, when he came on and Jimmy moved to the Tonight Show slot, it was maybe a little rough go for Seth because he seemed like he was just doing a conventional show. And then eventually he did, you know, he sat down at the desk and he changed the format yeah. and he got comfortable. But that was after yeah. several months. Had you guys at Crowd Goes Wild had that kind of luxury of time, who knows what, what you guys might be doing right now? I think we could have used, uh, I think we just needed about four more panelists. <laughs> 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 is there? Have, I mean, do you guys have reunions like like Zoom reunions? We had a Fox yeah, Sports funny. Live Zoom I, I, reunion. I still, I still keep in touch with them. Um, you know, I'm very fond of all of them. They were all incredibly talented in their own special way. I felt like it was like this bizarre world X Men for something that was just a very short period of my life. It has a real impre- left a real impression on me. Um, I saw Georgie. You know, I, Georgie's royalty. I yeah, she's know. married to a, a yachter. Yeah. 
Yes, she's married to Ben Ainsley, who is the most decorated Olympian in uh, United Kingdom history, um, and is basically Mr. Sailing throughout the world. And uh, I saw her at Wimbledon. This is going to sound really posh, but I saw her <laughs> at Wimbledon a couple of summers ago, and I'm sitting there in my sweaty press box, sitting next to it, and a couple of sweaty journalists, and I'm texting her, and she's like, well, I'm in the royal box. You can look behind, the, behind Megan. And Harry. Just right tucked the in left. there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're doing great. You know, Katie's done great. Michael, of course, his daily show. Trevor, I believe, is going to become a multi-billionaire with all his various media investments. Um, and, 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 yeah, it was just, I mean, I know I mean, you guys walked into that experiment with many, many, many hours of live television experience. For me, I was coming to it with an hour and a half. And... What I found really uh, informative about the experience and sort of eye-opening was seeing what an art it is, like seeing how, like, you know, it's easy to sort of poke fun at Regis and stuff, but there's something about the ability to look down the barrel of a camera and connect with somebody at home, something you can't see. You're just looking at this inanimate object of reading text, but the ability to sort of project that kind of warmth and connection, I, that's not something that is just easily... Uh, learned, and I certainly struggled with it. And then to see it in a younger person like Katie, who was you know, just getting started as well, and her ability to make that kind of connection, I was sort of awestruck by the whole thing. Yeah, we were kind of awestruck by it too. Uh, we had all those years' experience, and even when the show was described to us, we're like, yeah, our own show. We're like, how many people are going to be on it again? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Can I interview you guys for a second? Because I wrote down some questions. Oh, yeah. So, okay. All right. Um, first of all, this podcast is sponsored by McDonald's. That's right. Yes. You got it, my friend. What's your That's order? What's your McDonald's order, Jason Gay? Well, I think it's a six, which I think is crispy chicken. But uh, you got to check on that. I mean, <laughs> the kids are into the Happy Meals. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which um, they're a little disappointed they don't come with as much sugar as they may have a generation <laughs> ago. But they're still into them. But McDonald's is like big time. Do you realize that every podcast I've ever been a guest on is sponsored by like Me Undies and Gamblers Anonymous? <laughs> we, <laughs> when we were at Fox, we were sponsored by Me Undies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Oh You're yeah, big time. oh yeah, we're, um, we're but, huge up here. Okay. What do you miss the most about LA? The weather. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Terrible, boring answer. Give me something better than that. I miss uh, I miss Venice. I lived in Marina del Rey, and I could ride my bike there in five minutes, and you'd just go people watch all day, and uh, yeah, and just just bum around and pretend like I'm a tourist all day when I lived there. I could never get over yeah. the fact that I lived there. I thought, yeah. Jason, one one another answer, and this is also boring, but it's really true. The people are really fantastic there. Like they're so um, underrated people. They're too. underrated Californians. They're underrated. Um, I know they have a lot, but they're they're good with what they have. And the best example I always say when I'm the difference between Canadians and Americans, Americans, I always use the all inclusive resort explanation. Um, so here it is. You're uh, at an all-inclusive resort uh, by yourself. You're For some reason, you're there alone. Maybe you're at a wedding or something. You go to have a drink at the bar, and there's a group of Canadians at the bar at the other end of the bar. 
Sure. That group of Canadians will not ask you to come over and drink with them that first night, even if it okay. seems you're alone and lonely, because they will <laughs> suss you out. They will see what's going on. Why is this person alone? What is going on? Is he weird? Is he strange? Let's just let's just observe him for an evening, and if he's alone tomorrow, then of course we'll invite him in. Whereas if a group of Americans are across the bar and they see you alone, they will immediately say, what the hell are you doing by yourself? Come over here right now. Get in here, buddy. You're one of the group that's the difference in a nutshell equally nice people on both sides of the border in my personal opinion but americans to me and specifically californians are just more uh gregarious and upfront and outgoing and i loved how californians you could not in a police lineup tell if someone was a millionaire or a surfer bum they all dress the same like i i love the casualness oh yeah all right my next question is that you know, you guys did some amazing things in L.A. You continue to do amazing things, but will anything in your professional career ever compare to the nonstop excitement of flying 17 hours to Russia for the Sochi Winter, Game, Winter Games and then not technically being allowed to cover the Sochi Winter Games? It was one of my favorite broadcast experiences just because the fact that and it's not just because I say this a lot, but McDonald's is our sponsor, but we survived on McDonald's that we got in the media center and vodka. We supersized me times 10. Over two. Morgan weeks. Spurlock, you should have studied us. I mean, the, be- the best thing about that trip is um, it was so early on in our time there that we kind of could ask for anything. So... I just happened to run. I'm not kidding you, Jason. We ran into Eric Shanks, the president of Fox Sports, and I just said something like, you know what I'd really love to do? I'd love if you flew us over to the Olympics. And the next day, we were in a meeting talking about how we were going to fly to the Olympics. And I was like, okay, I should have asked for other things. I should have asked for more stuff. And we rented, Fox rented an entire hotel. We had the entire hotel. So how many times... You have, had, like, some kind of, like, chalet situation where the studio was. That's like right. Was wandering around. Yes. Schrager, a young Schrager. Yes. That's, that's where we met Peter Schrager. That's where yeah. we, we met him in person. He, he was a fan, and then we kind of got the full two... Imagine that, Jay. Two <laughs> weeks of Schrager, just intense, waking up every morning, breakfast line, iced coffees, like you've never seen a human consume iced coffees before. <laughs> and, Jason, during the Olympics... We had a hastily called morning meeting in which the guy in charge described how someone down the street was murdered the previous night. And it was the most odd, non-Olympic moment that happened at the Olympics. And it's something you can never erase from your mind because he's describing how this person fell off, quote unquote, fell off a balcony during a party. Right. Yeah. Fell in quotes. He's using the air quotes. Yes, he was. Yes. A lot of air quotes thrown around in that meeting. <laughs> yeah. A lot of air quotes. All right. I got some more questions. Uh, what was the weirdest, and I'm excluding from this conversation, crowd goes wild because I think we have the crown, but what was the weirdest panel conversation you ever witnessed on Fox Sports, like in terms of the arrangement of guests and sports discipline talking about the particular thing? Because sometimes you turn on it was like, Andy Roddick was arguing with Gary Payton <laughs> about the creepness, you know? <laughs> I mean, for me, it would have to be when Fox 
Uh, I believe Fox had the Super Bowl in the first San Francisco Super Bowl in Levi's Stadium open, or at least they sent most of the staff except they for us. They had the New York one when I was there. That was the New York That's Super right. Bowl. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, they didn't have the San Francisco one, but they sent everybody. And then I yeah. also remember they sent, uh, they sent Julie Stewart-Binks, and that was the time that Julie Stewart-Binks got a lap dance from Rob Gronkowski. Oh, Oh, and uh, yeah. I remember thinking, I remember thinking, man, where are we going with this place? <laughs> <laughs> I told this Nowhere on a recent that. podcast. You know what our marketing scheme was for people to uh, find our channel? We were given business cards in which we'd hand it to a bartender and say, here, why don't you put it on this channel? And then yeah. we would hope they'd leave the channel on because they just would forget about it. <laughs> All right, my next question. Uh, can Mike Francesa walk the streets of Thunder Bay for a year and not be recognized? It's a great question, man. I mean, Paul Schaefer couldn't. He's from there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I don't think his show was never seen up here unless you watched it on an American network. There's 35 million people in this country. I'd say three know who Mike Francesa is and two of them are in this radio studio. (laughs) Well, you're still doing it and he's not. I mean, it was obviously a very strange time when Mike, you know, invaded the airspace and decided to pick a fight with these two brilliant uh, hosts from Canada. But uh, can that relationship ever be repaired? I I never saw it that way. I understood what the point that he was making because as you know, he was being simulcast on our network and he was being yeah. asked to do reads for us. And yeah. then, you know, he was asking, uh, I think, legitimate questions, you know, <laughs> like, and, and just the backstory. I think he, what he said was we could walk down the street in Times Square and no one, and would, no know one would know who, yeah. who we were. And he, and he, was, he was true. He, he was correct. Wrong. He wasn't wrong. <laughs> I mean, we tried to engage him a little bit after that, and we quickly realized yeah. there is no engaging Mike <laughs> Francesa. Um, so, you know, the Regis uh, sort of affable nature and willingness to have a little fun and a little fake feud, that was never going to happen with Mike, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I interviewed him earlier this spring for the first time, and I've, you know, as a in full candor had a very complicated feeling about Mike Francesa for much of my listening experience to him. And I was interested to talk to him because he became this like amid when New York was very crazy with coronavirus, when the death count was very, very high, the proportion of positive tests was very, very high. And it was really hitting his backyard of Suffolk County, Nassau County, Long Island, in addition to New York City. He was like having this Howard Beale moment. I mean, he was like mad as hell. He was ranting and raving, and he just, you know, on record as being a Trump supporter. And I just found it pretty compelling to listen to. And um, (laughs) sort of similar to the current sitting president, he is one of these people who's just kind of plug and play. Like when I put the request in to talk to him, he calls and he's like, it's Mike. And you're like, can we talk? He's like, just go. And you ask a question. And like, you literally just can go, go and roast a turkey and come back to the phone. And he finishes <laughs> up. I mean, they won't build him like him ever again either. He is one of a kind for sure. But yeah. I like guys, like, I like old guys like that, even if they don't like me. me. I, I can't help myself, you know? Me too. I mean, I just like, 
these people who kind of like fly above the cloud line and just are not consumed with like social media BS and like, you know, what everyone's saying about everybody are just kind of their own thing. And they're like, I am what I am and I ain't changing. And there's something kind of admirable about that in show business, especially because, you know, obviously this is a wildly volatile time in entertainment. No one knows what people are going to be doing, listening to, watching and so on. Everyone's trying to sort of figure it out. But yeah, the, 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 you can't construct, you can't teach a princessa type career. No, you can't. You can't teach a Jason Gay type career either. Uh, Jason, oh, before yeah. we let you go, um, give us a, in a nutshell, you just posted a story today. Uh, here's what you said on Twitter. Here's another story about neighbors in New Jersey, a 60-year-old and two kids, eight and six, and a goofy game they invented in March called Virus Ball. <laughs> yeah. And, well, it, it, and everyone's comments are like, I'm bawling reading the story. Uh, well, that's nice to hear. You know, there's usually a bawling because of the grammatical errors, but <laughs> the... Um, the, the the truth of it is that I was looking for someone to write about. I mean, you know, having to write November second, twenty twenty, a column in the Wall Street Journal. It's it's uh, it's a pretty spicy paper coming out tomorrow, right? Yeah. It's like America is all, you know at, at each other's throats. It is a pretty combative time, and I just wanted to counter program it to borrow a little TV term there, right? I wanted to write something kind of just off the news, nothing to do about politics, and and I and I you know bless them, had this reader get in touch with me and said, you know what, I read you write about the NFL and hockey and NBA and golf, but I've been playing this game called Virus Ball with these two kids who live across the street from me. They're six and eight. I'm 60 years old. I'm a cranky old man. I don't even like kids. <laughs> and um, we just started a conversation, and it was one of those things where, you know, you talk to one person, and you talk to another, and you talk to three more and four more, and like it just became a better and better story. And what, to me, the story is about is this goofy game that they played throughout this pandemic where it was socially distant. They were basically kicking soccer penalty kicks across the street. But it spoke to what I think is a quality that a lot of people are missing in this country, and I imagine in Canada, too, just the idea of neighborhood community and what those kind of things stand for. And... Um, having each other's back and having that kind of sense of community. And uh, that's something I think a lot of people are eager to get back here. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, Jason, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, if you want to follow Jason on Twitter, it's at Jason gay. Uh, he does not like uh, cycling. So any cycling complaints, send them to him. Oh, sorry. The opposite. Jason. It is, it is the opposite. <laughs> and you know, you Canadians have some good cyclists. I have to say, so listen, um, it's a real privilege to talk to you. I, I, I was a great, great fan, and I'm honored to have called you once colleagues, and I'm so thrilled to hear that you're keeping at it. And uh, anytime you want to have me on, you know, I don't know if there'll be United States on Wednesday, but <laughs> there is. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay. Listeners are going to want you back. So uh, thanks again, Jason. Yeah, you were awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Take okay. Care. Jason Gay, very, very funny uh, Twitter follow. Um, he's a... He's a great guy. And I, you can tell he's a smart guy. Yeah, he's just... Uh, he, I, I, what you just said, I think, is so true. I think the listeners are definitely going to... Uh, they're definitely going to want him back. We didn't even... I wanted to ask him about uh, what it's like being a Jets fan in New York. Like, how Jets... Like, it's just... We, we could have talked to him for hours. Yeah, he's... Uh, like you said, obviously super intelligent. And I like uh, columnists who are funny. You know, like you said, he writes this... Pretty serious, pretty heartfelt story in the Wall Street Journal. He writes a lot for the Wall Street Journal, but his Twitter feed is very light, very self-deprecating, very funny, uh, very worth, very worth uh, 
checking out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, check him out. Jason Gay on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, that was a lot of fun. He it retweeted was, uh, this one. I read this to you before we started the podcast. He retweeted. This guy tweeted, I really appreciate how little effort went into the word fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. So uh, we got to go uh, do a TV show. Or did you have something to stop playing something? Or Stoff that? wants to play something for you here that okay. I arranged for you. Um, Stoff, are you ready? We're ready. Okay. Uh, mystery guest, reveal yourself. Hi, Dan. Okay. 2020. <laughs> we have two months to go. Two months to get out of this <laughs> show. You know, I was... First time we've talked in 2020, so I had to do it one last time. Really? Oh, I guess last time was uh, during our live podcast, uh, which you were a, a crowd favorite every time we brought you on screen. So I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. When there were people in the audience and the world was somewhat normal. Yeah, this well, is Ben Teller. If anyone uh, is listening, if you're a longtime listener, you know who this guy is. Now, Ben, I think there's a chance that we might have started COVID with those massive crowds <laughs> that were going nuts for you. We're going crazy. Wait, wasn't the last time that you saw us when you were up here in Toronto and you came to my house and you came into the studio? Yeah, I think it was like Christmas time, right? Yeah. Yeah, when you surprised me. When I surprised you, yeah, that was a that was a really really lovely time, hugging and eating up at the same table, close to each other. Yep, uh, where masks simple. weren't even part of the discussion. We didn't have think about that, December but you were still wearing you were still wearing one, which was weird, and it was it was kind of like yeah. a uh, a Tom Cruise type situation. What I was, at, I was in the eyes the wide shut. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were we were having so much fun, not thinking about what sixty or thirty days had for us. Yeah. Now, what's going on with you? Are you you're back in L.A. now, and you're you're self isolating yeah. and. Uh, yeah, so I moved out of New York. Or not move out. I quarantined in L.A. in March when it got really bad in New York. I was like, oh, cool. I'll spend, you know, eight weeks in L.A. with my family in Southern California. I'll get some fresh air. But I'll move back to New York, like, you know, June 1st. And then I was like, New York had, like, the worst, the worst COVID months. And I was like, it makes no sense to go back to my 350-square-foot bachelor pad. Um, with the with the map, you know those like great. Remember we you guys oh. in that apartment? I had to give it up. We I, it didn't make we, sense. It was a, again a huge hit of the live shows. People loved seeing your apartment and and uh, the spots where you would entertain the ladies and such. So what did you just burn it to the ground? Like where is everything that was uh, in that apartment? Yeah, so I was on a month to month lease, so I got out of my lease and I shipped everything to L.A. and I've been in L.A. ever since, and that's all I got. I, I have no idea where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do. I'm kind of just holding tight. And where where did you settle out. in L.A.? My parents' house. Oh, perfect. I love that. And uh, um, my, our, my understanding is you had a, a date over the weekend. Can we discuss that? Yeah, this is really funny. I uh, I haven't been on one date since COVID. I was yeah, like, sure. Blame COVID. Well, mm, nice <laughs> you got to uh, think like I don't in Canada. I know that people are like you could come to you have to like people are very like cautious. In some areas, in the states, it's kind of like no one cares about COVID for the most part. But I am like, you know, helping take care of my grandparents. My dad's a little bit older, so I've been more risk averse. And uh, I haven't wanted to date, but I was like, 
So I was talking to my therapist, and I was like, yo, I got to start dating. And she's like, you should start dating. So uh, I started talking to this girl, and I was like, hey, let's meet in the park. Uh, let's, like, go to a park uh, down in Venice. Let's sit on a blanket and distance and chat. Uh, and she was cool. We spent four hours drinking White Claws, sitting oh, at a park, yeah. talking. You're what flavor of White Claw? so White Claw, man. I totally can yeah. see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What, what flavor? Uh, uh, I was drinking uh, raspberry, and she was drinking mango. I also okay. had a beer, an IPA, too. I wanted to feel, you know. Okay, I would have gone but, with the black cherry flavor, but go on. Yeah, touche. Best flavor is black cherry. Um, but this is where the story gets interesting, right? So um, leading up to something exciting here. You know, like when you're on a date and you have this inkling to, like, kiss a girl? Dan, familiar, right? You're like, ooh, I got this. Oh, like, yeah. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know you're not going to get rejected. So you just, like, are going to make the move. Um, but it was COVID. It is COVID. And, like, I got to mm. be somewhat responsible. And so I'm, like, sitting on this blanket, and I'm, like, four hours in, and I'm, like, i got to kiss this girl. But I didn't know what to do. I really had no idea. I was like, okay, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to do this. This is what I did. Uh, so this is the part of the date where I usually go in and, uh, kiss a girl. Are you, are you cool if I, you know, if, if we do this, like you've been safe, I've been safe. Like, I think we're good. And she's like, I'm with it. And I'm like, cool. So I lean in to kiss her and she pulls back, like completely pulls back. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I thought you said you wanted to wait a week because of COVID and I'm with it. And I said, uh, no, I, I wanted to, to kiss you now. And then she starts laughing and she's like, this is awkward. And then I looked at her. I'm like, should we try again? And she's like, yeah. And so we just kissed. And I was like, great. This is my first COVID dating experience. That's the story. Yeah. Holy f- man. Holy shot. I thought something interesting was going to happen. Uh, first off, you should work on your line. Don't say this is the part of the date where I. You-. No, you don't. You don't to compare the situation from another date. You say, "I'd I'd really like to kiss you." You don't say, "Hey, this is usually where I f- the girl." Okay. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> but don't you think that like. In this environment, you got to be a little bit like. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, frame yes. frame it better. Don't say this is the part of the date uh, where I usually say, you know what, I this I, is I, the I part of the date where I'm usually erect. You don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the move should have been like, I'm going to kiss you now. Is that yeah, okay? yeah. Oh, no, and but say it nicely. Says, say, what I, about COVID? You'd be like, hey, we've been safe. Fuck her up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> or have like a condom on your tongue. Oh, man, I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> Old condom uh, tongue O'Toole, they used to call him, Ben. Oh, have you met uh, condom tongue O'Toole? Hey, he's safe. Uh, how have you guys been? We've been good, buddy. We've been good, you know? Yeah. We're just uh, we're just getting through it. We're doing lots of TV, and there's not as much sports as we need to do all those hours of TV. And it's funny how you mentioned how people are taking COVID. Like in Canada, every single human is, is taking it seriously. Like we, there's no parties. There's like no family get togethers. Like everything's still pretty much shut down. I mean, I can't speak for Lloyd Minster. (laughs) I know there's a lot of crazy 
happening there. Could, could you guys have imagined covering sports this year in LA, Lakers and Dodgers? Let's. I was just going to ask you, how excited are you? Your I Lakers, mean, your Dodgers. Those are yeah. the two LA teams, and they both won a title. Yeah, it's like the one good thing to happen in 2020. What's it the really fallout from Justin Turner? Uh, or are people funny, over I it? Yeah, we're over it. But let me tell you, when it was happening, I was like, this is going to be a fun storyline tomorrow. But, like, nothing, literally nothing happened. I no mean, you've waited that long. Okay, I, I, I totally understand the criticism, and it, it's very justified. It's, it was f***ed up. Having said that, as Larry David would say, from a fan's perspective, to expect fans to care about that after they've waited for their team to win a World Series since 1988... I'm sorry. What he should have done? Going to care? Just hang out in the outfield and like everyone like be celebrating. Like he, yeah, but what's they could have had fun. There's no, there's no, there's no solution for him. Oh, I know. You know, like that's the problem. It's but wrong that think- he did it, but it's also like he, he did all. You know, he contributed. He was part of the team, and then to ask him to sit in the dugout and not participate, it's unrealistic. I think. Having said that, he should have had a mask on at least. Correct. That's what I'm saying. How do you have a mask on when you just yeah. go out there? Yeah, he should have had a mask on, like in a face shield, maybe. Maybe a hazmat suit. (laughs) Yeah, we don't care, though. Dodger fans are like, are you kidding? I've never been alive for a World Series. I was born in 89. God, wow, so young. You have your whole life ahead of you. Mm -hmm. Lots of awkward kiss exchanges still to come. Yeah, I'm really excited to... Uh, so you, it's tough. you got 31, and you're, like, living through this. I mean, that's not so fun. Are you going to... Another date with this uh, this young lady? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I think so. But now it's like, but what, what do we do? What, what do I do? Go to another park? Straight. Go to, like, a restaurant or a bar in L.A.? There's nothing yeah, to you do. straight to a hotel for sex. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. Hi. We went on one date, and it was a fun kiss in the park. Can I take you to... Astoria and Astoria. What's the Beverly? What's the the Beverly Wilshire? Yeah, not the Beverly Wilshire. Waldo for Astoria. Oh, the Waldo uh, for Astoria. Sure, yeah. Well, knowing your history, you'll get a ten thousand dollar a night hotel room and wonder <laughs> where all your money is. Yeah, yeah. Remember when I wanted to take to go to Mexico for New Year's? And you almost so did it. Yeah, you know those are moments of my life where I look back to our conversations <laughs> and I'm so grateful for your wisdom. <laughs> That's nice. Because That's sweet. Can you imagine if I had done that? Oh, you might have been married. Who knows? It might have been great. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you or shouldn't broke. be taking Dan's advice. Yeah, or broke with like no nothing. Oh, oh well. you're gonna. Everything's gonna be fine for you. You guys gonna be at my wedding, both of you? I would love that, and I know Dan feels the same way. In fact, oh yeah, I love we, weddings. We could be each other's escorts. <laughs> hmm. Or dates. Kind of escort sounds like sexual favors are gonna happen. Well, I assumed, I assumed that was part of it. Oh, there, big boy. Dan, Dan, would you come to my bachelor party? Oh, man. If we're allowed to cross the border, 100%. Is it in Vegas? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I ever want to go back to Vegas. I we, feel like now it's really we can't leave. We can't yeah. go there. If we go somewhere and we have to come back, uh, we have to quarantine for 14 days. Ooh. So, so you can't even leave Canada right now. You can't leave America. Yeah, we're both never going to see each other ever again. Should darn should the bachelor party be in Windsor? It's right across the border from Detroit. You can take the tunnel. You can take the bridge. And do I need to show my passport to get in? Yes. Well, that's usually how borders work. <laughs> and they've got strip uh, yeah. clubs, mm. from what I understand. So <laughs> that would be pretty good. I like this I've- bachelor party. 
I've decided my bachelor party is going to be in Bangkok. Oh, that's a that's a big commitment. Yeah, that's a big ask. That's a lot. That's a long way okay. to go. It it's would be a long cool, place, though. but the money is going to match itself out after you pay for the flight. What you get in Bangkok versus what you get in Vegas, same price. I've already done the math. Listen, I. It sounds very hangover too. Sounds like a made-up excuse to go to Bangkok. No one believes a bachelor party in Bangkok. Sure, Dan. Sure. Mm. Yeah, no one Something I really want to do. Well, okay, well, this is fizzled out. We've got to go do TV. Yeah, we got to run. Give me... Wait, can I... Can you ring it up for me? Can I, yes. Can I give a, oh, would you I, rather? I have one. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, this yeah. is excellent. Oh, yeah. Okay, do we do we have it? Stuff? Stuff's like... This is my favorite thing when... When we throw something... Oh, he's got it. Here it is. I hope it's time right. for... Would you rather... rather, yes. rather. I hope you awesome. keep in mind our podcast sponsor. While asking this, it's, would you rather... The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. McDonald's? It's yes. McDonald's, yeah. Okay, they don't care. Um, I heard this recently and thought I would ask. I'm so glad you guys wanted to chat. Uh, it's pretty safe. Would you rather be a pig... And be able to have sex once a day and only get one orgasm for 30 minutes, like a full 30-minute orgasm. Think about that. Once minutes. a day. As a once pig, a like an actual animal. Yeah, yeah you're a pig. Okay. You get a 30-minute orgasm. Or you are a lion, king of the jungle. Yeah. You get to have sex 60 times a day, Ooh. amount of orgasms unknown. Boy, that's a really weird one, Ben. I, where is your mind going? Yeah. Okay. Are you are you um, guaranteed a long life as the pig, or are you going to be bacon soon? This. These are all up to your interpretation. I can't answer anything. Because I grew up on a pig farm, and you aren't lasting more than a couple of years. Yeah, that's true. Well, and but a lion, you never know, right? I mean, anything could happen. I know he's the king of the jungle, but what if you, I, what if you never orgasmed as the lion ever? You just had like sex, but no orgasms. That's, I'd go with the pig. Yeah, I think I'd go with the pig. Also, I feel like a pig up until that moment when it, the life is over. It's a pretty good life. And you, you have just a, kind of lounging around. And you have fat. a penis that looks like a corkscrew. Okay. <laughs> it does. I, 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 from my understanding, Ben, you already have that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I can unscrew a wine bottle with my penis. I remember back in the Fox days, it was old corkscrew peen teller. <laughs> Corkscrew peen teller, CPT, coming down the hallway. He's got a blanket. He's going for a picnic down in Venice. Ben, this is when we kiss, teller. <laughs> oh, okay. Gosh, I'm really, uh, I'm excited for my new ventures of kissing and corkscrewing. Uh, ben. You have 30 seconds remaining for this call. Ben, it's it's time for us to say goodbye to you. And uh, I have to say, it's been great catching up with you. I'm, I'm glad you're safe and healthy and you're, you're, Sports teams are winning, and you're still awkward with the opposite sex. I think uh, the world is somewhat a better place just knowing these things are still true. Mm. It's been good to talk to you guys. I'm happy uh, that we got to connect, and the best of both of your families, and stay safe. And I'll see you guys in like 10 years on my wedding. Sounds okay. great. Perfect. All right. We'll see you in Thailand, buddy. <laughs> Bye, guys. See ya. That's Ben Teller. All right. We got to run. Uh, we got an interview, big interview in 10 minutes. Yeah, with Steve Phillips as a couple Huge. of, uh, uh, Charlie Montoya's up for manager of the year. Ryu for the Cy Young. Didn't see that coming, I gotta be honest. Love yeah. it. 
Very so uh, we're going to go do that and uh, enjoy your week. And uh, hopefully everything works out in the American election. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> They're going home. to the Jay and Dan podcast brought to you by our friends at McDonald's James Duffy presents the rubber boots podcast so we're sitting down at our table the, the waiter comes up and he's like profusely sweating <laughs> and this is like 100% his first line to us he goes hello I am not well <laughs> I'm very ill. <laughs> you ate there? I came down with it yesterday. I've just not been good. Not good at all. Get it at tsn.ca and anywhere you get your podcasts.